05 and 06 I deployed to Kuwait I used to wait every day for them to say Nature going home I miss my life, miss my wife For 15 months she was all alone But when I got back I felt out of control Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold I keep on drinking so I'm sinking in a river of liquor Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be so I invested in myself I started seeing coaches Life is a camera, I fixed the lens and now I see in focus Now my life's unrecognizable From my life just a couple years ago 17 plus years of marriage, it's never been better than this and we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm called to be a leader I'm a leader Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Championship Leadership Podcast, and we have Dan York here. Daniel York, excuse me. We just had the conversation. Either way, uh, either way, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's out of Nashville. He is an artist, specializes in, let me see if I get this right, delusionism? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it's not a word you've ever heard before. I, no. I pretty much made it up, and now it's funny because now there's other things using the word, so now it's, you know. I was going to ask, did yeah. you make that up, or was that like a thing that you just kind of made up on your own? Both. Yeah. I mean, me and my daughter <laughs> were driving to uh, Florida one time, and I was I just wanted a word that kind of described what I'm trying to do as an artist. And we were yeah. messing around with different words and we're like that. That one's really the one. So we yeah. kind of crafted a definition and all that. And then it's you know now other people are starting to use it, too, which is pretty yeah. funny. And then when you go to your site or Instagram and you see some of your work, it totally makes sense to me. And, I, you know, I'm not in the art world, but I was like, yeah, that fits. So I love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a cool thing. And so thanks for having me, though, Nate. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you've done a little homework as a lot of our guests do. So you kind of probably know what this first question is that I like to kick it off with mm -hmm. championship leaderships and yeah. what comes to mind for you when you hear championship leadership? Well, for me, leadership, you know, I've been in a lot of leadership roles in the last quarter of a century. And for me, when you hear, some, when you hear a phrase like that, it really means, you know, getting someone to see for them. I mean, you could tell somebody something a million times. You know, it doesn't mean that they're going to do it. You, you know, right. you say, hey, this is the right way to go about it. So the in my age now, I basically will say, well, this is what I've experienced. And I'll tell them the the, you know, the leadership information that I might have learned or whatever I'm trying to impart to somebody and say, you know, you sort of test it out on your own, because unless people fall flat on their faces themselves yeah. and, and learn it for themselves, they rarely will will use it. You know, everybody seems to want right. to yeah. run into some sort of invention of the wheel themselves or something like that. And I shouldn't say everybody, cause I sure don't want to, I want the fast track. I like finding the fast yeah. track and right. if guys are going to tell me like, Hey, you can avoid this pitfall. I'm like, great. I would yeah. love to avoid this pitfall. <laughs> and, and so that's really what it sounds like to me is that, you know, there's certain people who may assimilate this stuff like a sponge. And those are the type of people that make the best ones to lead really. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, why is that? Right? Like, there is a natural tendency for us to want to try and recreate the wheel. 
Yeah, well, especially for men, it could, you know, it could be a pride thing. It could yeah. be a pride thing or an ego thing or That'd a penis way, thing. Who thing, knows right? what it is? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I could look to, I've, I've had a lot of sales experience and, yeah, you know, you always get brought into an organization and they have this proven path, right? Hey, and that's probably one of the first things they say too, is don't try and recreate the wheel. Like just yeah. do it, do what we tell you to, and you'll have success. And there's a small percentage that are willing to do that. So, yeah. Well, my dad, when I was younger, he's like, you talk too much and you got too hot of a temper. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I'd be like, dad, what do you know? You know, and then, <laughs> then you're in your first sales jobs and, and trying to make a buck and you're like, yeah. Oh, I talk too much. And I've got too hot of a temper. He was right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Knew what he was talking about for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, why don't you tell us? Uh, yeah. I know we talked just a little bit about you and what you do, but uh, kind of, Give the listeners that aren't familiar a little bit of, you know, insight into your path and your journey and what that has you doing today. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm an artist and an entrepreneur in short, and I, I find those two fields to be very, very related. You know, people think of artists as creatives and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, in the art world, too, there's a lot of people that are very uh I think they like to portray brokenness all the time and sadness and all of these things that I'm not. And so I like humor and I like laughing and I like good friends and I like good company and I like trust and I like activity. And, and so, you know, those are things that also make a good entrepreneur, but that's how I am also as an artist. So those two things have come together really well for me. And I've done in the, uh, in the business world, I've done well for myself in various activities for a long time, but I mean, I've been an artist since I was a little kid and that's always been right along with it. And, and now I do it from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm actually not a Nashville guy. I've been here for about 10 years, but I was born and bred in Chicago. Okay. So, and, uh, was there for Midwest guy then? Yeah, Midwest guy, you know, went up and did all the suburban Midwest things that we did in the 90s. I was a 90s kid, you know, basically yeah, I was yeah. kind of like a cusp 80s, 90s kid, you know, yeah. your grade school years were kind of mid to late 80s yeah, and then yeah. grew up through the whole grunge, you know, generation, the Seattle sound and all that. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you you go from from the bottom up, you know, yeah. going from where you had nothing all the way to where you're at now. And it's uh, to your point of the championship leadership thing. I mean, anybody who's really in a championship position or a leadership role or any sort of successful role, really, they know how hard it is and yeah. you, you don't coddle success and you can't, right. <laughs> you know, you can't victim your way to success or anything like that. It just is, it just doesn't happen. I was just listening to Mark Cuban the other day and, and people can say what they will about Mark Cuban, but uh, he was telling a story about how he had this one project. He had $82,000 to start the project. And then somebody that worked for him was stealing the money. Every time they were cashing the checks, he was left with four grand and he had the choice to give oh, up no. or go on, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's the artist's lifestyle. That's the entrepreneur's lifestyle. And it's really how many times can you get punched in the gut and, and come back. How many times are you going to get your heart broken, learn your lesson and come back and not point fingers at somebody else? How many times are you going to be able to get let down sometimes right. by people that are really close to you, which is, which is a big thing. You know, you get really close with certain people and they might stab you in the back or let you down. How many times are you going to go through that and still come back? I mean, that's real survivor kind of mindset. Yeah. Well, that happens more than you'd like to think too, right? Dude. I mean, almost almost probably more often than it doesn't, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you get, you get it, it's usually by somebody that you would never, 
you would never expect a guest, but yeah, I know it's, it's really funny. I had somebody who put it in a funny way to me. They said, you know, it's, they're like, it really is heartbreaking when one of your rider die. Oh, as a matter of fact, it was my accountant who said this to me. She goes, yeah, it's funny. She's like, uh, it's, it's really heartbreaking when one of your ride or die people screws you, yeah, right. you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it really, it yeah. really just, yeah, absolutely. it's hard to contemplate and it just gets you right in the heart and it makes you want to hate everybody. But that's, yeah. that's the control yeah. factor that those kind of people want to have on you. And you just don't want to let them control your mind or your heart, you know? And it's, it's tough. It's, well, it's a constant shatters, learning experience. Shatters your worldview a bit, doesn't it? Hell yeah, it does. Yeah. It's like, dang, what? That's not supposed to happen. So I know. Yeah, we'll start there, I guess. How'd you get to Nashville? How'd I get to Nashville? I mean, the funny thing was, is believe it or not, I moved here and I'd never been here a day in my life, never even driven really? through it. Yeah. Okay. So it was about 30. I was still married to so my ex-wife at the time, had a couple of kids back up in Chicago. I thought I was going to be Chicago till the day yeah, I die. Yeah. I mean, I love that city. You a Cubs and- or a White Sox? I'm not a sports guy at all. Sports um, guy usually at all, people right. say people say Cubs or White Sox, and I say Smashing Pumpkins and Danzig. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm an art music guy. You know, I love right. art and music. And so, um, you know, I used to go to the clubs around Chicago that Guar and Smashing Pumpkins used to play at that some of those aren't even there anymore because yeah. of COVID, they would shut down. Nobody, yeah. of course, was going to clubs. But um, it was just a life decision. My wife at the time wanted to try a different city. And I said, screw it. What's, what's the biggest harm in it? We can move there after six months. It sucks. And, you know, we were 30 years old. We we're like, let's give it a shot. So we, right. we moved to Nashville. You know, we split as a marriage, but she still lives here. I still live here. And the city's really grown on us. It's, um, yeah. it's different than being yeah. in a big city. But I love there's things. Yeah, it's just cool, man. And you can get anywhere you want. In 15 minutes, where in yep. Chicago, you sat in your car 45 right. minutes every trip you took, even to like the grocery store. Right, right. So there's quality of life stuff that you just don't realize that you're losing when you live in a big city, when you come down here. And the other cool thing is super centric to everything. You're in Vegas in like three and a half hours. I can be in D.C., Tampa, uh, Miami, Chicago, all within like an hour to hour and 45 minutes. Piece of cake. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You still got some of that Chicago accent in there. <laughs> Keep that. Don't lose that. <laughs> yeah it's funny i don't hear it um yeah. i come down here and these people have the accent down here you yeah, know right, the y'alls right, yeah, and the sure. all y'alls and the, <laughs> yeah, all that yeah, kind of shit yeah. absolutely I'm, i imagine it's like anything but being an artist seems like it's a pretty close-knit community but it probably isn't i had another <laughs> artist on her name was taylor white out in like north carolina she does a lot of murals and stuff that was a very interesting conversation too but yeah how connected are you to the, the your community amongst artists Somewhat. I mean, you, you sort of, it's like anything else. It's, it's probably not dissimilar to what you do too. I mean, yeah. you build your own networks yeah. and you resonate with certain people and you jive with certain people and other people you just don't like, for example, there was a, a community thing here in Nashville and Nashville is a huge artist community, yeah. but more along the lines of like artists, uh, I'm sorry, uh, like musicians, singer, songwriters, yeah. publishers, all these kind of people. One time I was hanging out with a bunch of these guys and they were all like joking around about how disorganized they were. And, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's just us goofy artists. We're just financial idiots and we're just yeah. disorganized idiots. And they were like making fun of themselves and how much of how disorganized they were and how dirty they were is in like business. It's to be that way, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was sitting there and I'm like, these are my people. Yeah. They're yeah. just not my people. You know, right. I'm more of a, you know, have you ever heard the Jerry Seinfeld philosophy, what he does? What's that? 
So like comedians, yeah. you know, they have their, their shticks on how they all create. Yeah. He is very structured and very routine. And what he does is he has an office and he gets up and he goes to work like nine to five mm-hmm. and he writes yep. and that's what he does. And he takes a lunch, but he's yeah. got a very structured day of what he does, scheduling his stuff, going to write his stuff. And that's really how I live. I'm a very, very structured guy and I have routines in. And whenever I want to do something new, I'll put like a new routine in and move it into my current routine. So when it comes to art and being an entrepreneur and everything that I do, I'm very structured, even on the weekends. I mean, I don't really have weekends as people think of them as as weekends, of course. But so I was more like that, like organized and how, you know, like if I want to do this good, how many people do I have to contact? What do I have to do to get some sales going? How do I meet this person to get into this show? And how do I get this recognition? And, And the more organized and repetitive and consistent and persistent you make things, the more successful you are. And then the funny thing is, is you just meet the people that you need to meet. So just because somebody's in some business really means nothing to me because I go that person. Sometimes it's like what we were talking about earlier. You'll meet him and you go, that guy's bad news. I don't know what it is, but he's bad news and I want no part of him. And you'll probably be right. If not now, two years from now. 9% of the time, right? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of Stephen Pressfield, author? Mm, I don't (laughs) think so. What's what's he write? uh, You wrote a screenplay uh, book, Bagger Bants. Um, oh yeah bagger vans that i've heard uh, of yeah gates of fire uh is a book about kind of about the story of 300 but before Mm -hmm. the movie came out Mm -hmm. but he's written some books become fairly popular in the personal development world too which wasn't something he ever saw himself getting into but one is called the war of art another one's called turning pro and so he's essentially the only reason i bring it up is because you know, he's, he's talking about the resistance of artists and, uh, you know, not wanting to write, not wanting to do the, you know, not being structured yeah, and being a professional versus an amateur. Right. And, you know, I just talked about that, like every day at nine o'clock, I'm in front yeah. of mine and I'm doing this many words a day and, and, uh, just talking about, you know, are you going to, are you a professional at what you do or, or do you want to be an amateur and just kind of like make jokes about yourself? Cause you're an artist and accept old trashy stereotypes that don't serve you at all right so and really art is no different than anything else i don't care if a person's a banker or an entrepreneur or whatever career that they're doing i mean you're just anybody who's had any sort of success at what they do they find out sort of the same things you know you gotta you gotta work way harder than you ever thought it was like i'm a i've read all of grant cardone's book i'm sure you know grant he does all the big 10x the big 10x stuff Yeah. Yeah. So in one of his books, it's called 10X Rule. And I've read that three or four times. And he's just like, it's always 10 times harder than you think it is. And it really is. It's it's harder emotionally. Um, One of the things that you go through in, and, and again, anybody, but as an artist is you have to, you hit these sort of internal ceilings. Yeah. And you have to punch through them and they make you second guess yourself. And, right. you know, all these, all these things about yourself, like, God, I never knew I was weak on this, or I never knew that I was scared to be this. And I never knew I was scared to take that step. And you, and you have to confront each one of those things. And, and, and it's funny because it kind of never stops. You just really do it at new, higher and higher levels. And, you know, everything can be scary. And the other thing that I've been sort of going through in the last year or so is really looking at what you're willing to have happen to you versus what you're willing to create right so like let's take this joe rogan thing that's going on for example right now you know joe's got some big balls he likes to say and it's funny because when you watch him he's not really that controversial to me no 
Yeah. I mean, I think they're just making a big thing out of it because he has controversial guests, but he and himself, he's just an interviewer, really. And he just tries to he's do what inquisitive. He's just, yeah, like, he's inquisitive. Yeah, exactly. Learn about different people. Yeah. And he sort of does what like you'd think anybody who's doing an interview maybe 25 years ago. I mean, now the media is so politicized and yeah. polarized. I think he just kind of takes on questions from both sides like right. somebody yeah, should, absolutely. you know. Yeah. But if you look at that, did he know that he was going to be attacked in the media and they were going to be digging up dirt for things that he didn't know and and they were going to be spreading him all across? So you got to look at that at his level of success and he's getting pretty successful. I mean, this guy's, yeah. you know, this guy's a list in the house. Everybody knows who he is. Is I mean, he's probably got arguably one of the most watched podcasts in the world now. Yeah. So with that level of success, are you willing to take on what comes with that? And right. in this case, major media tech. So I, I'm going through that at a new level. I've gone through this yeah. many times before. It's like, what are you willing to take on? Are you willing to get attacked? Are you willing to do this? And sometimes I'll talk to people about even things like money. And they're like, well, I want to make this much money. I'm like, great. You know, and they'll be, and they won't have any corporate structures or any organization set up at all. I'm like, you know, you're going to get taxed massively at the worst rate at that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, and they're like, Oh, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. like, well, that's what happens. You know, yeah, yeah, you start making this kind of dough, yeah, yeah, you start yeah. paying these kind of taxes yeah. or, uh, you know, people are like, I want to be a billionaire. I'm like, all right, well, you're going to be in lawsuits all the time. Yeah, Everybody sues right. you all the time. I'm like, do you think that Elon Musk isn't in lawsuits? Like, every week of his life yeah, being at yeah. the level he is. I mean, so that's, it's a, it's a sort of cool thing to, to play with, you know, what are you willing to accept versus what are you willing to, to uh, have put out and yeah. What are you willing to sacrifice too? That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. And every level of success is going to come with some level of sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. It's one that doesn't get talked about. You know. No, but we all go there. I mean, we all have it, you know, it's yeah. uh, I was watching one of your, uh, when you or I was actually reading this on your website, as a matter of fact, where you were talking about, you know, when you got back from your from the war, it wasn't the war, but like a tour of duty, I think in 2008 yeah, or something, right? Yeah, yeah, Kuwait. Yeah. But it was about 2008, I think it said. And you were talking about wow. how you were trying to recreate all this stuff at the sacrifice of other parts of your life, yeah. you know? And so um, there is sacrifices there. Yeah. You know, if you want to go create a big business and you don't want to organize, well, you're going to be busy and you're going to be there seven days a week. And yeah. my girlfriend watches Shark Tank all the time. One of the guys on Shark Tank made the joke. Yeah. Entrepreneurs, guys who will work 100 hours a week to make the same money that you make in 40 hours a week. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, just so they don't have to answer to somebody. Yeah, it's, absolutely. There's, there's sacrifices and risks. Yeah. And, and then the more intelligent I find that you get and the more experienced you get, you start to work yourself out of those things. And, uh, you know, it, but it's it's not easy. It's not easy. There's, there's gray hair on this little beard here from all that. Well, how do you talk a little bit about that? Cause that's, you know, it's always, you always hear of the starving artist, right? Yeah. How do you separate yourself and become someone that's successful? Maybe it's very similar path to what we've been talking about as an entrepreneur, probably not much different, but it seems like, I don't know, from the outside looking in, I guess it seems like, man, it's, it's got to be really, really hard to actually break. It's almost like in my mind, because my wife is a very talented singer and for a little bit, you know, had ideas of pursuing, you know, career in Nashville and things like that. Ultimately being a mom and a wife kind of trumped that for her, which I think is probably a good decision on her part. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not easy. You know, everybody thinks they got a little talent and that they're just going to go and do it. And I'm never one to say you shouldn't go do it. Like, I absolutely think you should go after your dreams if that's really what you want. Mm-hmm. but uh what was 
what was the breakthrough for you? Or is it like an entrepreneur? Every level I get to, I still feel like I'm not there and I got more to go. Oh, right? that, that there is the truth. Yeah. Always. You're always, you're like, Oh, I'm almost there. I'm right. almost Everybody there. I'm almost there. Like, what are you talking about? You're there. Like, you did I know, it. I know, but that's how it is in your mind. It's like, you're always, yeah. you know, shooting for your next level. You're shooting for your next level. I, I sound like, I sound like TV commercials. Sometimes I'll say like, you know, I'm like, all right, I got to get in the zone. I have somebody that works with me for a long time. She's really funny. She's like, you're, she's like, you're like an auto zone commercial. I'm like, yeah, but I got to get it. I got to get in the zone, man. I got to get in the zone. And it's just every, every level you get to. And some, to your point, sometimes you do have to take a break yeah. and, and like, look around and be like, you know, I've done all right. You know, yeah. and, and I'm like this, I'm like this kid that grew up with great parents, but we didn't have much. We didn't have money. I didn't go to college. We didn't, you know, there's, there's no inheritances. I mean, we all had to earn. I paid for my first car right. being a bag boy from 14 years of age and paid cash for it and yeah. bought my own cigarettes when I was a kid, you know, and yeah, probably right. stole a pack or two in high school, <laughs> yeah, but for sure. But, you know, every level you get to, you're like, all right, now it's time for the next one. Now it's time for the yeah. next one. And, yeah. and uh, you can run into the problem of not. Was there a moment though? Yeah. Was there a moment for you where you like kind of made it? Like I, that was like all right. Or not really? Um, yeah, there's a few of those. Yeah. There's a few of those, and there are moments that you wouldn't sometimes think of. Recognize right, right away. Yeah, like one time, a long time ago. I mean, I mean, this is probably in my 20s. At one point, it was just. I remember the first time I went out, I moved out. I was like 18 years old. I moved out with my girlfriend at the time and I went and bought groceries for 40 bucks. And I was yeah. like, whew, that was expensive. <laughs> you know, watching, watching them scan everything in and you get like, yeah, I'm getting closer. What do I got to take out? <laughs> yeah, and then I got home and she's like, you didn't get anything good. You got like all like mac and cheese and like ramen. I was like, yeah, well, that's, that's what we're going to eat. We don't have any money. We have these shitty <laughs> right. jobs. This is what we're going to eat. And uh, she's like, no, you know, so then groceries, of course, is like four or five times what I was trying to do as a yeah. as a kid, you know, and so, but when you start, you know, there's little things, you know, when you're shopping and you're getting all, all the good stuff or you go out to a meal and you're dropping hundreds of dollars on a meal and it's just mm-hmm. nothing. Those are the, the little moments, but there's, there's personal ones too. Like I have a, I have like a classic Porsche that is like a real sentimental one for me because yeah. that one's like, yeah. you know, my dad was a Porsche master tech, yeah. you know, back yeah. in the eighties. So getting an air cooled Porsche is like a very cool, special thing for yeah, me that absolutely. I right. couldn't, I couldn't afford when I was a kid. I mean, I was driving a Volkswagen rabbit for, yeah. <laughs> for how, many, how many years, you know, where, where the headliners hanging down, rubbing your hair all the time. And, you know, you, you roll up the door handle and the, the plastic falls off, you know, I mean, these are, this is what I grew up with. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of those. Yeah. Good, good. I got it. Yeah. What's, um, what is left to accomplish for you or what are you, what's your vision? Or, um, yeah, at this point, yeah. it's it's kind of a lot. You know, I've got kids, so you pay a lot of attention to your kids. And my kids are, you know, they're they're adults now; they're eighteen and twenty-two. So I had kids pretty young, and so I've, I've created a pretty cool life for myself. So you obviously want to spread that around, and yep. I can always make my life better and better and better. But at a certain point in winning and whatever you do, you're you know, like some people are whatever you like. Some people like clothes, for example. How many pairs of clothes are you going to get for yourself? If you're a big clothes person and you want expensive clothes before, okay, you're like, I get it. I can buy myself expensive clothes. (laughs) You know what I mean? It just means nothing at a certain point. And, you know, I heard Jim Carrey say one, he's like, I I wish people could all be rich so they can see that it doesn't mean anything, you know, and it doesn't achieve anything. So, so the best thing for me now is really creating circumstances. Right. And I don't mean this to sound millennial because I'm not a millennial. I'm older than the millennial generation, but they're very into experiences purportedly. But it's sort of true. 
you know, I'm taking a, a bunch of some of my staff to an event. We're going to stay in a nice hotel and just have nice meals and eat like pigs and, and just have a little fun together for a weekend. And uh, that would have been impossible for me 25 years ago. Yeah. And so, you know, situations with my girlfriend, you know, we, we want to do things and we're both very busy, of course, but, you know, you'll want to do things that wouldn't have been possible and, and create opportunities for the people, of course, like for, for my kids, you know, you always want things to be easier than it was. You know, my parents were both baby boomers. So four kids, I'm a twin, by the way, identical twin. Are you really? Yeah. And we are identical. I might be a little fatter than him, but yeah. 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 So, uh, but you know, they wanted all the opportunities that they didn't have growing up. So they wanted college for the kids and all that kind of stuff. And, and I really think that because society grew the way that it did, we all had way better opportunities than they did being the baby boomer generation. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree for sure. One last question I'd like to ask, well, not technically one last, but kind of the last main question, I guess we'll say, you know, what's a moment in your life where, you know, you had to make that big decision and, I think there's a lot of people in that moment right now that are, you know, especially the last two years been difficult for people and, and trying to figure out making big shifts in their life. Obviously that the decision you made has you where you are today. Like, but is there a moment or two that kind mm-hmm. of defining moments you could share with the listeners? Help, help yeah, was, there's a few of them. One of them was uh, when I was really young, I was um, probably 17 or 18 and, you know, I was, I was playing in rock bands. So you did the whole sex, drugs, rock and roll thing. And yeah. One time I took a hit of acid once and acid can be some spooky stuff. Yeah. And anybody who's done it knows it can go some dark routes. Well, one time um, I was sitting in my friend's room tripping pretty hard. And uh, I think I was about 17 and I looked 40 years into my future and you know, it it was the weirdest thing. It's like I traveled there Yeah. and it scared the shit out of me because I did not like what I saw at all. It was a really defining moment. I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I don't want to end up there at all. And it, cause it wasn't pretty, I won't get into the details, but sure. you can imagine the route yeah. that I was on. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, that was it. And I knew from that point forward that I was going to quit drugs. I didn't it soon after, but within a year, probably I knew yeah. drugs was going to be short term. I knew I wasn't going to get into any heavier stuff like shooting anything or, yeah. and I knew that I was going to really put myself on the right pathway. And unfortunately that's one of those rock bottom points. And Mm so you'll see a lot of people hit these rock bottom points where their marriages are threatened or, you know, they have no money or they're, you know, like one of my friends was sitting in a bathtub in his own shit and barf ODing when he realized, wow, maybe I should make a change, (laughs) you know? So I don't know that it has to be that extreme. One, there was another time where I was probably about 27 and my wife at the time, our kids were little, my wife at the time says, Hey, we need diapers. And I looked at my bank account, there's $4 in the bank account. (laughs) And those are points where you just go, it makes me, it made me feel degraded as a man, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and I'm not, I consider myself a relatively old school kind of guy, you know, I grew up with a Navy dad, you know, and he was a man's man. And so I was just like, you know, as a provider, I felt like a total failure. And I was just trying to serve, you know, trying to be successful as an entrepreneur. And And that always stuck out to me as a moment where you hit that point. And you, you make the decision because you can make the decision to go the other way. You know, I could, I could decide to blame her for whatever, you know, not having a job or staying home with the kids, which was our decision in our marriage. Anyway, I would go out and make the money. She would stay home with the kids. It was our decision, but I could spin that around on her if I wanted to. Right. 
And I know a lot of people who do that, or I could blame society. You know, there's a guy I went out, I went out to get some food with my girlfriend across the street. There's a guy outside with a cup. The guy was probably 25, relatively good looking guy too, with a beard begging for change. You know, And so somebody was out there giving him a hard time saying like, why don't you go get a job? (laughs) And his reaction to that, what he said was uh, in America, come on. And we were like, (laughs) you know, and and this guy, this guy that was talking to him lit up and was like, you know, you can make those choices to become the victim mentality or the poor me mentality. But those mentalities don't end up with you out of it, too. Right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vicious cycle. It's it's a downward spiral. It's a vicious cycle. And I'd rather make the decisions that pull me up to the next level and focus in and hone in on. Yeah. really where I want to be as opposed to whose fault it is. And believe me, you know, you and me and everybody else in this world, we've all thought, you know, if only such and such didn't happen, or if only that person didn't screw me this way, or if only, but that thought process, we all know as a friend of mine, Steve says, he, he goes, you know, whenever you're pointing at another person, there's those three fingers pointing yeah. back. I always think it's corny, but it's cute. Yeah, yeah. And it's true. Yeah. Totally. And it's true. Yeah. It doesn't put you in a responsible, stable point, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate that. As we do wrap up here, if there's like one or two things that we can leave with the listeners that if they implement today, help move their life forward today, what would that be? I'm very big into individuality and not individuality is saying it is a trite thing, just really mm-hmm. staying focused who you are and what you really want to achieve. So there's the almost proverbial, you know, person who wants to be an artist or musician and their parents are like, well, you should go be a doctor. Yeah. You know? But I have a little bit of a different experience with that too. And, you know, you can hang out with a bunch of your friends, you know, and your friends are all excited about real estate investing and you're a podcaster and yeah. you want to do this whole podcasting career. And, and you're like, oh yeah, I could get into real estate. Well, that wasn't really your thing. You were kind of just buying into their excitement. You can spend three years into that and failing because it's not your thing, you know, yeah. call it yeah. following your purpose or following whatever, you know, along that line. So I'm really big into that. The difference is though, is that I really believe in that. And if you know, you can fall off that track, like I said, relatively easily by hanging out with other people, speaking too much to other people about what you're doing. And then all of a sudden you have a head full of opinions of other people that Mm -hmm. one, don't give a shit about you. And two, don't want you to be more successful than them. And so now, and then Mm -hmm. that'll alter your course or pathway instead of just staying on point and on purpose with your, with yourself. But sometimes though, I always tell people, you have to really keep your eyes open for opportunity. Because you say, I want to be here. Now, you didn't say, I want to be here by going this direct pathway. Right. So sometimes what you ask for will show up and you weren't freaking looking because yeah. it wasn't exactly how you envisioned it because you weren't specific about it, but it'll yeah. be there. Right. Right. Yeah. So you just got to be aware of your environment and not too much in your head, not overthinking things, which in the art world is you know, lots of things are very overthought and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get real deep here, (laughs) you know, and it's sometimes that's the kiss of death for success. You'll think yourself right out of an opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or you'll just uh, think in place of doing anything to take action on what it is you want. Right. So, yeah, well, you said it, I mean, I'm, I'm very action oriented, even in art and, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned writer. Didn't you mention writer's block earlier? You said something about writer's block. I was talking about Stephen Pressfield and writing and, and just, you know, being a pro about it. Then. Yeah. 
Well, there's thing in writer's block that's artists have it and authors have it. Yeah. And it's, it's this, it's like a plague to artists, you know, like, Oh my God, I hope I don't get writer's block. And you know what I find it is, is them just not being active enough, not doing a lot. It's like uh, guns and roses in the early nineties. They did those two use your illusions albums. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, in those two albums, I forget, maybe there was 18 or 19 songs on those two albums. And the thing was, is that they were only going to come out with an, an album, but they wrote like a hundred and something songs yeah. to get yeah. those. And wow. out of those hundred and something songs, they had two or three radio hits. And then they yeah. had so many songs that were so many were so good. They had to do two albums. So yeah. all of that success really came out of a lot of action, not sitting around right. thinking like, oh, my God, I have writer's block. Oh, you yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just sit down and just start drawing, start painting, or in the case of anybody's career, just start working, start going right. at it. Yeah. Sales. You know, I love selling and I love sales and marketing because it's so organic to that. And you can yeah. really see the result of it. And some people are like, oh, I'm not making any deals. And you always ask them, okay, how many emails have you sent out yeah, today to people? How many phone to? calls right. have you made? How many conversations have you had? And you find it's none. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, well, what do you expect is really going to happen now? Yeah, right. yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking some time to be here, Daniel. And uh, it's been a good conversation. It's been fun. My we- pleasure. Real quick before we do sign off, people want to find out more about you. And I know you have a website. What's your website again? Yeah, it's uh, my Instagram. My website are the same. It's uh, www.danielmatthewyork.com. And you can go in there and see my whole delusionism series and my defacing art series. And then uh, my Instagram is the same at danielmatthewyork.com. And that's two T's in Matthew. Okay. Two T's. I-E-L-I-A-L. Um, let's see. Daniel is I-E-L and Matthew is E-W-T-T-E-W, Matthew. Okay. I think right. it, it's my mom name. It's all the biblical names, you know, so yeah, my yeah. mom, the Daniel was, you know, Daniel, the, in the lion's yeah, den yeah, guy. Absolutely. Wasn't that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, right. that's the one. We'll make it easy for you listening and we'll just put it in the show notes. You don't have to worry about spelling it. You just click. <laughs> it, so, yeah. Good. Perfect. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yep. Pleasure. Let's go! In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way Cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it done Consider it done If you need some inspiration you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey Bailey Nate Bailey